people say, oh, I garden, I walk, I do this. And I thought, oh my gosh, you're not getting any type of resistance training or strength training, which as we age is, and even as, as we're younger is so important. And so I was trying to add more weights into people's, you know, they go run and go on walks with their girlfriends. But I was like, they're, you're not weight training. And so I just started doing YouTube videos and they can do, you can do it at home. You can do it in a tiny basement apartment. You can do it anywhere. Like I always say, there's no excuse to not get in a good workout. This is living your big, bold life podcast. And I'm your host, Bet Lucas. I have five crazy kids, a full-time career in a mostly male industry, and I've been on a health journey where I've lost over 40 pounds. On this podcast, you will find encouragement for your own unique journey. You'll be provided tools to help you not just survive this life, but thrive in the areas of health, career, and family. So come live your big, bold life with me. Are you ready? I sure am. Hello, welcome to Living Your Big Bold Life podcast. I am your host, Bette Lucas. Today, we are joined by Kristen Andrus. For those of you that don't know her, she is known for her fabulous workout videos on YouTube that have received thousands and thousands of views. She is also loved by her over 80,000 Instagram followers. She is known for her lighthearted, funny, and real approach to fitness, health, family, and life. Kristen today shares about her journey. First, as a career woman, then moving on to being a stay-at-home mom and supporting her husband during his entrepreneurial journey. Kristen, in many ways, is considered a role model and expert in the health and wellness field. She shares what her daily eating looks like, what exercise she thinks maybe you're forgetting to do, and the importance of sleep. One of the other things that Kristen willingly shares with us today is that she has help in her life. And one of the things I find interesting is that people want to often know, how do you juggle all the things? And they want to ask those questions. And yet, when then people actually share about the help that they have, then people are quick to cast judgment or criticize. And I hope each of us here today can be bigger people than that and can say, that's great. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being willing to give us a little bit of a glimpse on how you juggle all the things. Because we can't be telling people we want to understand how they do it. And then the minute they do share, cast judgment or criticism. And that's what I love about Kristen is that she boldly owns it. She boldly doesn't care about criticism. And she actually gives some great advice on when you do receive criticism. So let's get to Kristen, where she openly shares about her career, family, and health journey. I know you will leave with some great tactical tips for yours as well. Here's Kristen. Well, good afternoon, Kristen. This is truly such a special interview for me to have and a guest for me to have on Living Your Big Bold Life. And welcome. How are you in Utah today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm I'm doing great. My kids, my six kids are all in school right now uh, for, let's see, 56 more minutes. <laughs> And so we're we're on the we're Kristen and I are it was so fun scheduling this because I love interviewing other 
moms because they just get it. They're like, okay, we can make it work here. We can, we can fit it here. Your ability to juggle all the things is very evident to me. And for those of you that don't know Kristen, I know I, I spoke about her in our introduction, but many of you do know her through social media and she's a mom of six, 12 and under. But I, I feel like I can relate to Kristen in many ways. We have, we both have four girls. I have one son and I have, you know, obviously my sixth on the way. I don't know what we're having. Kristen is just such an example, I think, to so many out there of being someone who just boldly lives her life and lives it with joy and has really found, I think, some tools in her tool belt that have helped her really thrive in the areas of health, family, and even in career. And I think Kristen's going to share about that today. So Kristen, can you, for the listeners that might not know you, can you start telling us a, a little bit more about you, your background, and how it all began? Yeah. So I'm originally from the San Francisco Bay Area. I came out to Utah to actually go to college, majored in economics, and and then I started in sales in a really successful sales career, moved to Southern California and thrived and loved it there. Started dating my husband long distance um, while he was in San Francisco. And right about the time that... And, and, and I laugh because you know I paid for our first down payment in our first home. And I was like the sugar mama the whole time we were dating because we <laughs> graduated from Harvard Business School and was you know in a lot of startups. He was an entrepreneur. And so it was kind of like I was taking this big risk on him. And if you know Jeremy, he's had a lot... <laughs> A lot of successes in his life since then, which which people laugh about now because he'd say like he didn't have a dime to his name while we were dating and going through that. But we uh, we were in my little apartment in Corona Del Mar, California, and we got a text, probably a page at that time, that said, "Hey, there's this startup in Park City, Utah, called Skull Candy, and it was a guy, his his friend who was on the board. And he said, I think you should come out here and join this company. There were three employees, and we thought it was a candy company. Well, come to find out." It's a headphone company. And Jeremy went on. We we moved to Utah when we got married. And he was he took Skull Candy Public. It was eight or nine years of blood, sweat, and tears, which ended up putting us on an awesome upward trajectory. But it was a it was a brutal time. <laughs> and there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack. Um, during that time, we started having kids. I, you know, gave up my career totally willingly to I think once I had my third and wanted to be at home and you know, support him and and do the the at the at home mom thing, but then always had hobbies and um, just different things that I was really involved in. So I, I felt like my my time was used wisely. And then Skull Candy was was crazy. We took it public, and then about a year later, Jeremy left. It was it, it, it was a tricky up. There was lots of ups and downs. It was a really really hard eight years, but it also was an amazing eight years and, and taught us both a lot. And then I think by that time we had about four kids and then he took a year off, which really kind of changed the course of our lives in that we learned a lot of lessons from Skull Candy, where he was gone almost all the time, worked all the time. Um, I was trying to figure out how to take care of myself and making sure that my needs were met uh, while he was doing, you know, working so hard. And then um, we, we bought Traeger, which is a wood pellet grill company. We moved it to Utah and we kind of said, we're going to do it differently this time. And we're going to, you know, build a team that's amazing where Jeremy's not having to go to every meeting in every state all over the country or the world. And he doesn't need to go out to China Mm -hmm. and deal with manufacturing issues four times a year. And so we just built 
uh, a very purposeful, you know, life and and team in the business and family at home. And he was trying to be home for dinner at six thirty, which had never happened in our lives. And and then six kids later, we ended with like you said, four girls and identical twin boys. They're four now. And then a lot has happened with me too. You know, I do a I have a cooking thing I do on TV here in Utah, cooking segment, which is really fun. A lot of philanthropy. I do my exercise workouts on YouTube. So I definitely make sure that my cup is full and that. I'm as happy as I can be as an individual. And then I'm a much better mom, wife, friend, you know, woman. So when you were going through that time of, of school candy, and I can just envision that being a lot, you know, you're trying to, you know, make this work. Your husband's working crazy hours. You're a newer mom of, you know, three to four very young babies. At what point during that journey did you did you ever have that point where you felt like your cup wasn't full and you were you were struggling to you know, prioritize your health and prioritize kind of your mental state? Or was that kind of always a part of something that you knew was important from day one? You know, I did know it was important from day one, but at this point I I just had one. And I remember my husband was flying home from who knows, Hong Kong, and then was going to Vegas for a trade show. And he literally had a layover in Salt Lake City. I had one little baby and I called him and I said, I cannot do this for another minute. And he knew, like I was probably bawling my eyes out. And I had one child. I was 27, no, 28. I was 28 or 29 years old. You know, had had a, a booming career, had done like, I'd traveled the world. And I'm just defeated at home saying, I cannot do this for another minute with one little baby. I look back now and laugh, but it was true and it was real at the time. So he literally came home. He picked up my daughter on his <laughs> layover and he brought her to Vegas and took, took her with him. And when he got home, he said, you need some help you need a break. You cannot do this 24 seven. It was this, my daughter was funny. She never napped. It was like, I never had a break from her. And I was used to being an independent. I got married, you know, slightly older, had babies slightly. It's all relative now. At that time, it felt a little bit older. And he was like, you need help and you need a break. And I was like, that I absolutely do. I am going to go crazy because I'm being a terrible wife right now. And I'm not a very happy mother right now. And so I found, you know, story goes, and it's true. I found this sweet grandmother in our neighborhood who is literally to this day still our our adopted grandmother, our adopted German grandma. And she took care of Audrey a couple times a week. I would bring Audrey to her house, which was so wonderful because then I could have time. And she would just sit with her and love her. And it ended up being such a great extension to our family and such a blessing to our family where, you know, I paid her, I got the time away, but she was nearby. I mean, she probably was three months old at this point, maybe six months old. And that was the turning point where ever since that day, I've continued to get help. I've continued to take time for myself. I've continued to make sure. And and I have to be perfectly honest. I do watch out for myself, but my husband does as well. And he knows when my cup looks empty that it's not, it doesn't bode well for him (laughs) or our family. And so he does make sure, but I think that that's not the case with everyone. And so we do have to watch out for ourselves. And so I knew health was important. I knew getting together with girlfriends was 
really important to me, always has been making time to exercise, grocery shop on my own, read a book on my own, just, you know, for a few hours. I think that's really powerful. And I I hope the newer moms are hearing what Kristen is saying, because sometimes what I find is they will meet a mom like you, Kristen, or they'll meet me and they'll say, I just don't get it. You have six kids you have all these hobbies or you're doing this and I'm drowning. And what I think Kristen's sharing with you so beautifully is that one is really hard and it is a huge shift. And I tell moms all the time, one and two was the hardest for me. And it was the time where I really had to realize like, oh my gosh, I need help. And I'm I'm like, this is hard. And so I love that you share that because I think it's really important because too many moms are like, something's wrong with me. You can have a, a lot of kids and I'm barely surviving with one. <laughs> Absolutely. I barely survived with one. It's it's just a big shift. It's like, I always tell people that's the biggest personal shift. And then two was like our biggest marriage shift. Like we had to ask for help more and lean on each other more. So, yeah. So Kristen, when, you know, Jeremy was traveling all, all this time, was that hard? Like, did you have other friends who could relate to that, you know, whose husbands weren't home and who, or were you kind of like the only one? Did you feel, or did you feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I mean, you, Utah is a place and this is a total generalization and I'll probably get in trouble for this, but I feel like most, a lot of, you know, dads and husbands are home by five or five 30. Like I see him out playing ball and coaching soccer and, and that will never be my life. And so at the time I felt like everybody's husbands are home by five o'clock, all mm-hmm. of my neighbors, all of my friends. And so it was really hard. I definitely felt alone. And so, you know, Jeremy and I had a conversation he said, and, and he reminded me of the, the other day, he said, remember I said, you knew you weren't marrying a librarian and I had forgotten he said that. And I said, that's exactly what you said to me. You said, we can do this together and you can support me and we can support each other. I'll support you because you knew you weren't marrying a librarian or I can go get a nine to five job and I will be home at five like everybody else on the street. Mm-hmm. And what do you, what do you want? And I said, I don't want that. And so when, you know, when it was put back into my lap and it was like, what do you want for our family, for our life, for our future? I thought, yeah, I, I don't want the librarian. I, I want the entrepreneur right. doing cool stuff and and the the amount of angst that it caused it was a lot you know it's like with anything when you're an entrepreneur anything that you put in a lot there's a lot of hard but the the reward is so sweet and so amazing and we've had opportunities that would have never come our way had we not put in that time. Do you also relate to this statement that sometimes it's important that we we hear the word balance a lot? And I think that I'm not as big a fan of that word in certain instances because I feel in my career or in our family and in our journey that times of imbalance have actually allowed us to have more balance later. And so there were probably a lot of sacrifices you guys made as a family and as a couple early in your life that now have paid off. And so sometimes I think people early in their family journey, early in their career journey, think they have to have all this balance. And I think we need to look at it more as in a lifetime than in that because 
that time of life when you're creating a family, you're creating a company, it's not very balanced. It's very chaotic and busy. And But those sacrifices, I think, pay off later. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And and would we do it again? You know, absolutely. And, and am I grateful that it happened early in our, you know, family? Absolutely as well. I think you're right. And, and I look at it, even people talk about finding balance and I I was in a yoga, actually it was a Zoom, a Zoom yoga a couple months, actually it was the beginning of quarantine. And the yoga instructor said, we don't find balance, we create balance. And I think about that all the time. You can never, you cannot find balance. Look at what you do. I cannot find balance. Like our lives are crazy. And I think you could say that about everyone, but we can create balance. And what I tell moms, women, just actually my brother the other day, when he's trying to figure out how much do I work and how much am I a dad? And I said, you can't find balance in a day. A day will never balance out. But for me, I try to find balance in a week. I have six children. I have a busy husband. I have a you know a lot of hobbies. And so if I find the balance within a week, I find that I can do that. If I'm after school with some of my big girls, then maybe the next day after school, I go to the park with my twin boys. And then if I'm spending a lot of time you know with my kids, then one night I'm going to go out to dinner with girlfriends. And then so I'm I'm literally looking at it more like a week because a week for me is manageable to find balance. A day impossible. And a month is almost kind of broad for me to find balance because I don't even remember what I did like two days ago. Amen. <laughs> but if I look at my calendar and I, I we're very, very scheduled. Um, Jeremy and I are scheduled. And then I know that in that week, I can do a couple of podcasts. I can not pick up my kids from school and go do this for myself or go speak somewhere because that's important to me too. So I think looking at my week and finding balance there is super helpful rather than looking at the day. Because if you look at the day, you're almost always going to fail someone. You are. And you're going to then the guilt starts. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think you and I are both a proponent of that guilt is not serving, you know, moms well in today's day and age at all. And Absolutely. so I love that. I also would love for you to share, it sounds like you were very ready and willing to stay home at th- with three kids. Do moms ever ask your advice or how did you embrace that willingly? Because I do see some moms who that comes really easily. They come off of a very big career. You were very successful. You, I loved learning. You know, you were winning trips for your sales, you know, exceeding all your sales targets and all these things. So was it hard for you to make that transition or did you just know in your heart, like, no, I'm ready now. Now I'm good. Jeremy's off and running on this entrepreneur journey. And then is there any advice you would offer moms who might be in a similar? Yeah, I'd say I actually had the ideal situation in going from working to being home in that I own. So I I was in sales forever. And I think if I had gone right from a very, very successful sales career to this, to completely stopping that, but I, I transitioned when I I moved to Utah and we got married. I I did some medical sales with that same company. And then I decided that I wanted to own my own small business. So I bought a Curves Fitness Center and I ran that for a number of years. And so when I say it was the perfect kind of storm of, I was able to do it with one child. I was able to do it and then once I had two children, I was there less. And when you're a small business owner, you do not have anyone else that cares about your business like you do. Mm-hmm. And so with two kids, I was there less. I cared less. It, it just wasn't a priority to me. And so it was this natural 
where I was in less. I had my manager do more. And so I I was, you know, I was doing some of the back office stuff at home, which worked really well, but I was less and less involved because I was choosing to be less involved. And then by the time I think it was when I was pregnant with my third, I thought, I am trying to not even go in there anymore because I'm not very involved and it's feeling kind of uncomfortable now. You know, I'm pulling myself further and further away. And so it was a very natural, you know, occurrence that it was time to sell the gym and to move on and to stay at home. And so it was really such a great transition. Yeah. So it it really, it was really the best way it could have been. So yeah, I, I, in terms of advice, mine was so different because it was kind of a unique situation, but I think you have to know that there's growing pains that whether you're at home or you're working, it's hard, Mm -hmm. right? It's hard if you're home. It's really hard if you're home. And it's really hard if you're working. And so knowing that any type of transition, any type of change is going to be uncomfortable. But I think if your heart and your gut, you know that it's the right thing to do, deal with the uncomfortable, like be uncomfortable. It's fine for a bit because it will change. And then fill your life, especially if you're coming home for off of working, fill your life, get to know your neighbors, get to know your girlfriends, um, go, you know, just like fill your life sitting home. Well, you'll definitely be depressed. Right. right. <laughs> the more that you can kind of, and it's easy, right? It's easy to start filling it with things that are worthwhile. And I think that's what I, I noticed with your journey is that you quickly channeled a lot of that success, a lot of those passions, a lot of those interests into other areas so that it didn't feel like this, like you said, this really shocking moment where you went from, you know, super career woman to stay at home and there was nothing else. But I also love your advice that transitions are never going to be easy. And it, and that's why they're, they're actually good because we learn so much through them. And it's, you know, even with a new job, my mom always would give me the advice. If, if you know everything the first day, or if you're not feeling overwhelmed, in the beginning, then you're going to get bored too quickly. Don't worry that you're not going to know everything right away. So the other piece of advice that you already have touched on a little bit, I love it coming from you because I am I am a full-time working mom. People assume that I have help, right? And they're always curious about what my help looks like. And I try to share pretty openly about asking for help, having a bench. You know, I, I played basketball, so I love sharing about, yeah, you can have your primary help, but you need a bench. You always should be, you know, building that bench and and having those relationships. But I love that that message also comes from you as a stay-at-home mom who has all these kind of what I really define as businesses in her in her own right. You have a YouTube channel, you have these beautiful passions and hobbies. But I find that the there is a lot of guilt and hardship on moms who are stay-at-home that they think they can't ask for help. They're they're staying at home, so they don't deserve to ask for help. And I guess tackle that a little bit because I love that you, you emphasize that doesn't matter if you work or don't work. Asking for help is a necessary need for all of us at times. Absolutely. And sometimes it's paid help and sometimes it's not. Um, I think... You know, there's also ways of of getting help and having a village and having a bench where you're not, you don't have someone on payroll or you don't have a babysitter coming in all the time. I think there's a lot of different ways of asking for help, whether that's friends or family or your spouse finding, you know, local younger girls that can maybe come in and help. I don't know. There's lots of ways that it, it looks. I also think not everyone needs help and that's fine. But then there's people like me who I would literally be in a mental institute. And I'm not kidding if I did not have help. 
nor would I probably have had the amount of kids that I did. So that's also, I knew coming into having quite a few kids that I would be asking. And I was very, very comfortable with asking for help. And one thing I look at is that my mom was a stay-at-home mom and volunteered and did a lot, but we had a live-in, we called her a mother's helper. And I think I learned a lot from that because it was only value added to our family. My mom is an amazing woman. I have an amazing relationship with her. And in no way did the women living with us through all of my life practically take away from our family. They absolutely Mm. added to it. My mom was happier. My mom was fuller. She was a better mom. She could attend our things, but she could also go for her workouts in the morning and she could be in junior league and volunteer and be with friends or go go to New York with my dad when he had business trips. Like I just look at how full her life was, including us. She had four and it absolutely only, and then we look back and we have these funny stories about the women that were living with us and it Mm -hmm. was only good. Like there is not one thing I could look back and say, oh, but that took away from our life. And so I think growing up, I truly believe that. And I feel like our nanny, I call her our house manager because she's she does everything in my life. She makes our life run smoothly. She only adds to our family. She is amazing. She allows me time on my own and she allows me time with my children. Um, she's out doing errands right now so that I can be on a podcast and then pick up my boys and take them to lunch and she can handle the new dishwasher coming in. You know, like we're a team and, and I always say like, you wouldn't look at Jeremy or probably your husband or whoever and ever say, why does he have an assistant? Like, why Mm -hmm. would he, you know, and it's like, you look at a home, managing a home, managing a family, just managing a schedule, right? A calendar, any other business in the world, you have people that are on your bench, like you say, or on your team, helping you and assisting you. And a home is no less. I am the biggest proponent. Now, that doesn't mean that if you don't want it, you don't have to have it. I have some friends who are so private and they say, I couldn't let someone into my home and do that with me. It freaks them out. And good for you, like more power to you. I wish I could do it on my own. But for me personally, I cannot, I can't. Like I just, I could never do it. I'd be a basket case. And I love that you share that. And I think that's what's important is that knowing if that is your path or not. And I I find so many moms, they need the help, but they feel like they don't deserve it or they can't. And I love you, you giving options of, there's a ton of, if your budget doesn't support it, you know, there's a ton of other options, but also I sometimes challenge that a little bit. I agree. Where is your budget? You know, I said, where are you prioritizing? I I said, so I'll find, are you scrimping on the babysitter budget, but your Starbucks budget is, you know, could have paid for that. So, so give up Starbucks a month and have two afternoons off or an afternoon off where you can have a mother's helper or a middle schooler or a high schooler come in and and help you. There are, there are people out there ready and willing to help. And that difference of how we feel when we have those little breaks. And during COVID, I found that a lot of moms are even feeling that more because they're not right now in Washington. I'm finding there's a lot more things canceled. So they're home more yeah. and they're just feeling a little bit like, oh, now not everybody, but, and so I'm like, 
you need to just go for a drive and you need to park your car somewhere and go for a walk with a girlfriend or you need to just get you just get out of that house. You need to get out of that house because a lot of them have been stuck there. So Oh, I I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. And I think maybe those that don't think they need it, like take take a break, like go do it once and you'll and you'll realize actually how much you need it. Because here's the thing, I am never the victim. I have right. chosen I have a busy husband. I have a I have six kids. Like it's a crazy life, but I have chosen that I am not the victim and I will take care of myself and make sure that my needs are met. And I find sometimes women play the victim role. My husband's always out golfing. Da-da, I have so much to do with my kids. I never have a minute's rest. Well, maybe that's how you've created your life. And and I find that a lot of women do play the victim and I just have chosen that will never be my role. I will never do that because I will make sure I will give up the Starbucks, the drinks, the eating out, because to me, the biggest investment I can make is my mental sanity. And for me, that's breaks from my kids, breaks from my life and getting away. Yeah, I love that. Hey, friends, it's Bet. If you are enjoying today's podcast, I really hope you will join me every week for what I hope you find are inspiring interviews and bold content on topics like family and career and health. And can I also ask you a favor? Can you press that subscribe button and write a review if you like what you hear today? By doing those things, you are helping me get the word out. And I truly would be ever, ever so grateful. It also allows you to be the first to know when new content arrives. So please subscribe today. Now let's get back to our guests. And I also love that you share about your mom and the example that she provided that helped you feel empowered. I, like you, we have had lots of different childcare setups, daycare. We've had nannies. We've had, we currently have an au pair. And I, like you, can say that each of those people, no matter how different they were, no matter what skills and what age, what background, they all brought something beautiful to our family, all of them. Absolutely. And I just, that's what I want to reassure moms out there is that there is such beauty in that. And like you said, it doesn't detract from you as a mom. It doesn't detract from your impact on their life. For us, it has been the same story. Each of those people have made my children better and have made me better. Yeah. I've learned things from our, 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 like, it's amazing. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. I never thought of that, right. you know? Right. So, and and sometimes they give you this third party perspective that as a mom, you're just in, in it, right? Like you're too close to it where I, I've even had positive things where I feel like I have a child who's really hard and my my nanny will say she's doing so much better now and i'm like oh my gosh she is like you're absolutely mm-hmm. right you know where they'll they'll bring up things that, as a mom cuz you're just so close to it and they'll see this perspective that maybe you don't or they do things a little bit differently than how you wouldn't but you do you learn from it and you can become better so i i'm i totally agree with that let's go into health and health is a huge uh, pillar for you, a huge part of your message on social media. And I know you've already touched on on mental health. Tell us a little bit about 
How did you start wanting to share about healthy eating, exercise, and all of that to the world? You know, I think people would just start asking. I have to give another plug for my mom and dad because I watched them exercise my entire life. Like it was, they got up, they ran, they did their, remember the Nordic track? I don't know. Totally. You know, my dad would Nordic <laughs> track after work or they, or we were at this swimming pool doing our, you know, swim lessons. My dad was jump roping and doing like my parents were exercised every day of their life, except, you know, Sundays they would take off. And so when I grew up, I was a swimmer. And then in college, I started exercising. It was just absolutely what I did. It was a part of my life. And there was no question. I never even thought to myself, would I not work out? It was just what I did because that's what I saw. Like they were just such good role models to me and and prioritized it, you know? And it was like, no, this is important to me. I will go on my run before school. And, you know, that was my mom. Um, she still, you know, still to this day does that. And so I think seeing that modeled for me was was really good. And then, you know, I think people would just ask questions, you know, about what type of exercise did I do? what I do? What was my eating? You know, people love that. What do you eat in a day? Kind of like a food diary type thing. And so I just kind of start, started sharing um, meals that I would cook. That was how I started on Instagram were all meals. And I would share some, you know, indulgent, but a lot of healthy ways to feed your family, which I think is so important. And then the exercise component, I think I just started doing short videos. I don't even know why I started doing them, but it has just taken off. And women, especially in COVID right now, they're working out at home. Um, I'm a big, big proponent of strength training. I think back to curves, people say, oh, I garden, I walk, I do this. And I thought, oh my gosh, you're not getting any type of resistance training or strength training, which as we age is, and even as, as we're younger is so important. And so I was trying to add more weights into people's, you know, they go run and go on walks with their girlfriends, but I was like, they're, you're not weight training. And so I just started doing YouTube videos and they can do, you can do it at home. You can do it in a tiny basement apartment. You can do it anywhere. Like I always say, there's no excuse to not get in a good workout. And so, you know, the more good feedback you get, the more you do it. And I think that's kind of how that worked for me. Well, I love that. And I think your message there is so important because for some reason, especially as women, we are scared of resistance training and weight training. And if you see a picture of Kristen, she does not look like a, you know, a big, huge manly bodybuilder. No, like she has great tone. She is strong. And women, we cannot be scared of weights because I think we go, our version of working out, like you said, is we'll just run, run, run or walk, walk, walk. And we forget how important, especially as we age, that resistance training is. And, And have you noticed when people kind of that light goes off, I notice immediately that they see differences in their body composition in it it, because they never thought that weights were that important. You know, they were like, absolutely. I always say that if I had a choice to do cardio or strength training, I would choose strength training. Like if I could only pick one and, and looking back at curves, because it was, it was actual measurements, we would do weight, but we also measured arms, legs, torso. You know, we, we actually did measurements and the amount of inches lost when women started doing resistance training was unbelievable. And they never could have done it with pure cardio. I mean, it's good for our bones. It's good. You know, it's just, we get stronger that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm such a believer. It's the, it's the surest way to change your body. 
cardio is great. You can, you know, work off, you know, whatever, some of your meals, burn some calories. But if you want to change your body, which I think we're all trying to be healthier, be stronger as we age, I, for me, weight training is absolutely the only way to do that. So tell us about eating and some of kind of the main messages you hope come across. You on- know, I think with eating and with exercising, and you could really use this in any um, area of your life, if it's not fun or you don't enjoy it, it will not stick. It just won't. If, if you hate um, sweet potatoes, I mean, I'm just throwing out, you hate this, you hate whatever it may be, like it's never going to stick. You're, you're just, it's not worth it. And so I would say in trying to eat clean and staying healthy and exercising, if you hate to do YouTube videos at home, do not do YouTube videos at home you know, go to the gym and lift weights. If you do not like to eat, whatever it may be, don't force yourself to do that. Find ways to eat healthy that you enjoy. And so I don't know what that is for you, but I find people that just keep like, I have to do this. I have to do this. And they just hate it and it will never stick. They will go back to their old way of eating. They will go back to unclean eating or the sweets or whatever it is. If you love sugar, you can't cut cold turkey. So do it in a way where you can still enjoy life, enjoy what you like to eat. Maybe it's moderation for you. But I would just say don't force yourself to run every day if you hate running. And don't force yourself to eat whatever that, I mean, it's different for everybody. And so it's hard for me to say exactly, but find a way that it's joyful for you. And I think I'm kind of a creature of habit. I say, when people say, what do you eat every day? I'm like, it's Groundhog's Day. I eat a You know, I intermittent fast until about lunchtime. I have a really healthy, but pretty calorie filled protein shake. I, I'm just like, I eat cottage cheese and some whole wheat crackers. And then I have like lean protein veggies and, um, like a whole grain for dinner. It's so boring, but I enjoy it. It's easy. It works for me. It works for my body. And so it's fun for me because I still love those foods. I enjoy cooking those foods. You know, we own Traeger now. And so I Traeger a bunch of this yummy food, but then I'll have some peach pie if it's great because I, I want to do that too. So I think forcing something on yourself that that's uncom- super uncomfortable, like, like you just really don't like, I would try to steer clear of that. I love your advice there. And I also appreciate that you give examples of kind of what you Eat because I feel like people are always curious, right? Yes. Like, well, what do you actually eat in a day? And right. what does that kind of look like? So I think that's really helpful. And for your children, if do you um, do you ever find, a, you know, how do you find that balance of not, you know, kind of over restricting and, and providing this kind of household that's like super rigid, there's yeah. nothing or also having just total junk food. How what's your balance you know, or, or your approach? I think it is. It's it's give and take. Um I have friends who lived in a household that had nothing and now all they want is sugar and sweets and that's what their house is filled with now that they're in charge. Um I really I in our home we're very healthy. But if they're out, they're going to go to this amusement park tonight. I'll they can get treats and they can get a drink and do that. And so I do allow them to make that decision. We talk about being healthy, feeling good, how their tummies feel after they eat a bunch of, you know, not not good food, processed foods or sugars or flowers. And listen, they do, you know, quite a bit, but I really put the choice. They, they can make the choice. Now in my home, we're going to eat a certain way because I'm in charge and, you know, we still do cookies and this and that, but it's not going to be something that's sitting around in our pantry all the time because Mm -hmm. I'll eat it. Like if it's in front of me, 
I will absolutely eat it. So I try to keep it out of our home, but I don't want them to feel like they don't have access to those foods because they're kids and they should. But on the, on the flip side, it, that's why I think it's such a fine line. Back when I was growing up, treats were rare. It was somebody's birthday or it was a big occasion. I feel like there are treats constantly around my children. Every plate, oh. every time we get in the car, they want to go get a drink or a cookie or, you know, it's just, it's surrounding them. And so I think it's, they really in the end need to make the choice of if they're going to do it or not. And how does it make them feel? And so I really try to put it in their hands while guiding them. I think that's really helpful because I have found very similar. My friends that had nothing in their house, they all have huge sweet tooths. I feel like my parents encouraged healthy eating, encouraged healthy options, talked about it, and yet it was available to us. But I don't really have a sweet tooth. That's not really my struggle as a result. But I find my husband didn't have that stuff around. And if you put a pint of ice cream by my husband, <laughs> even though he's very healthy in most ways, he'll he'll probably finish it. Wow. Like it's gone, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a really good – and then just a real, real approach. Like kind of – I always tell people, you know, the – the healthiest person on social media, the healthiest person, they probably took their kids to McDonald's once. They probably did, you know, and we all, we all, I kind of try to follow like a 90, 10 rule, you know, 90% of the time is this, but I do have this fear like you of all the treats that are being and provided to my children on a daily basis. Like at school, it's very normal. Oh, so-and-so had a birthday. What'd you have? Donuts. Oh, yeah. so-and-so had this. You know, we go to church on Sundays. What do they serve after church? Yep. Donuts. Yeah. What do we, you know, cupcakes. So I think that that's really important for us as parents to realize that our kids are getting a lot of treats outside of our home. Absolutely. And so I think that's really important. So I love that you shared that. Yeah. And the, the one last thing that I'm a big proponent of, and I talk about this a lot. And the reason I want to share it is because I've had so much great feedback of people saying, I hear Kristen in my head saying, and it's my quote of, is it worth it? You know, mm. if there's a fresh hot donut that someone just made, I will absolutely eat that fresh hot donut. If it's a stale donut from the grocery store yesterday, it's not mm-hmm. worth it. You know, the the brownie that's like, or whatever it may be, like it's an ice cream. You don't really love the flavor. I think people just consume, consume, consume. But for me, if I'm going to indulge, and I do, I absolutely do, it has to be, quote, worth it. And so people say, I hear in my head, like, Kristen would say, this isn't worth it. It's It's not. It's not worth it. It's not the most amazing chocolate cake you've ever had. It's a store-bought cake that's very average. I'm not going to waste my my calories, my, my worth it on that. And so I'm pretty clear just that's who I am. Like who I am is that I only eat yummy, delicious, amazing fattening foods when they're totally worth it. And the rest, I'm just going to, I'm going to leave. I think that's such good advice. So let's talk about your last pillar that you really try to emphasize sleep. What is your advice to those um, when they're trying to get healthy and they're focusing on diet and exercise, but maybe they've forgotten the importance of sleep? Yeah, I always say they say that the three pillars are sleep, you know, nutrition and exercise. And I think sleep is forgotten. I think there's like hero status of not getting enough sleep or, oh, I only got five or six hours. I pride myself on going to bed early, getting up early or going to bed early and getting up just on, you know, at seven because sleep to me, I have energy on the days I do not sleep. I'm a mess. My, my, I I eat more 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I crave more. I'm not in my right mind. I'm I'm a little bit off. I'm ornery. I'm I just kind of feel a little bit sick. And when I have those days, I think some of my friends sleep this amount every single night. Like they're not living their full life when you're tired all the time. And so to me, sleep is a priority. Absolutely. I make sure I get my sleep and I get ready for bed when my kids are getting ready for bed. So my teeth are brushed, my face is washed literally by 8.30 PM. And then whatever else I have to do, but I'm in bed by 10 and I'll read a book or watch a show. And then I'm getting my, you know, seven and a half to eight hours every night. And that is absolutely a non-negotiable with my husband and I, it's super important to us. And I feel like my energy levels are high. I eat better. My, my, you know, my workouts are better. My life, the, my quality of life is 100% better when I sleep well. And when do you normally go to bed and wake up? Do you kind of do the same every yeah, night? Yeah, kind of, it's, it generally 10, I'd say like I'd fall asleep 1030 to 630. Sometimes it's 10, sometimes it's 11, but then I'd sleep until seven. So I'd make sure like if I was having an early morning workout, I'd make sure that I was in bed at a decent hour, but I really strive for seven and a half to eight hours. I'd say rule of thumb is 1030 to 630. So before we ask you your kind of bold advice to close the interview, Kristen, one thing that I think you've handled very gracefully is how have you, as you've become more and more public, more and more known, more and more a a face on social media, how have you dealt with criticism? There's one hard and fast rule that I have. It is, and and I know this and I believe this, and this is how it makes all the difference in my life. And this could be with, with friends, with, you know, family members, definitely online. It applies is that their comments, their, whatever it may be, the criticism, what, what you want to call it. It is all about them. It has nothing to do with me. And you hear that, but I actually believe that. I believe that when I get these snarky comments or these rude comments, or people are you know, whatever it may be, it it is a true reflection on their day, on their brain, on their life, on their history, whatever it may be. It truly has nothing to do with me. And to me, that makes all the difference. And then you can walk away. I love yeah. that. Thank you for sharing that because I know it's not always easy. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people fear criticism, whether they're a public, more public figure or not. Absolutely. So, Okay. Well, I love to close the interview with asking, what is your bold advice that you would like to leave the listeners with today? Right now we're inundated with a lot of negativity, whether it's politics or online, or there's just so much COVID. There's so much heaviness out there. There's so much that we can take too seriously, that we can be bent out of shape because our kids aren't listening. Like The world, family, life, marriage, it could all feel very, very heavy right now. And so I would say lighten up. Like lighten up, like like choose to laugh instead of cry. Like do something silly today. If you're picking up your kids from school or you're going on a date night with your husband, like do something really silly, like lighten the mood, relax, like let everything go because almost nothing truly should be getting you, you know, that upset. So my, I think my words would be lighten up, like be silly, have fun, smile, laugh instead of cry. Don't take it all so seriously. Have a little bit more fun than you did yesterday. Smile when you want to get mad at your kids and give them a hug instead. Like just kind of let things go, relax and lighten up. And I feel like Kristen your 90-year-old self would look back and say, that is the advice I'd, you'd give your grandchildren. 
You know, a lot of those things that we carry around, that we worry about, that we think are the biggest deals in the world, they're really, really not. It's And the moments that you're talking about, about creating laughter and levity are so important and especially important today. So I love that you're leaving the listeners with, we need to kind of boldly let go of a lot of this like outside noise and just remember that what's really going to matter, you know, decades from now. And thank you for that, that wisdom. So, well, this has been such an honor to have you today. And I am so glad and maybe someday we'll have you back because I could just pick your brain for hours on all the wisdom that you could share. So thank you, Kristen, for your time. We appreciate it. So much for having me. Thank you for listening today. For more information, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and my new website, betlucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you.